Wumandla on cliffcentral.com. Yep, it is Wumandla on cliffcentral.com. And that song, when Duncan said he's playing the song called Sugar Free, I was like, hmm, I don't know, Sugar Daddy. He said it's about Sugar Daddies. And I was like, I'm not sure. And actually, the song's called Sugar Free and it gets you dancing. And when I are dancing in the studio, this show ain't going to be sugar free, though. I'm Pumima Shekho and you're tuned in to Wumandla. And I have got. Very sweet, very fabulous young lady in the studio. I've been telling everybody on my on my social networks that if you are looking for that woman crush today, if you are looking for that woman crush today, is the day to be tuning into Womadla. Because, Amu, you're so sweet, you're so cute, but more than anything, I think you're ferocious, spontaneous, all those things that on, a, on those dating shows, when they say, what are you looking for in a girl? Wow. <laughs> I'll hold on to that. <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> you must, because I remember when I met you last year at TEDx. So yes. So, and you were talking, and I thought, what? So I put the link of your TEDx talk. But just for for the people that haven't checked out the link, you can see her. She was on TEDx Soweto last November talking about finding meaning in a 64-day trip. Yes. Around, around nine countries, ne? Yeah, nine countries. So, okay, just tell me again, for also for people who haven't seen the link, tell me again, you decided to go on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I mean, so basically I decided to go traveling through like a couple of African countries using public transport, um, by myself. Um, and the reason I did that was, I mean, I really just wanted to see what the African continent looks like because, you know, like I always used to speak about how I'm passionate about Africa and I want to see Africa changing, you know, and I'd read a lot of like literature on this African continent, but I realized I'd actually not been to a lot of these countries. So I didn't know exactly like what I was talking about to some degree, you know, it was all sort of like head knowledge and stuff. So I really wanted to go see it. And then going on my own was really to allow myself to have my own like thoughts and reflections that weren't tainted by someone else. Um, and that's the power of traveling on your own in that you really get to um, explore how you truly view and experience things. So why public transport? First, tell me the countries you went to. Tell me the countries you went to. Um, so I went to uh, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Tanzania, um, Zanzibar, which I consider another country on its own, Uganda, Kenya, um, Ethiopia, Malawi, Mozambique. Okay. Why a bus? Why not a Kontiki or some kind of travel group? Why why a bus? Yeah, so I mean, I guess what I was trying to do was to almost recreate for myself what the ordinary day-to-day life of a person living in those countries would be. And I think using public transport is the closest to sort of experiencing um, how people live on the on the day-to-day versus a Kentucky, which is more a tourist experience. And therefore, you're kind of like shielded from some of the rawness that you could get from actually being in buses with like local people um, and that kind of stuff. Was about can it take so? Yeah, can it take? Like, <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you are here at home, oh. are you, was about can it take? 
<laughs> like um oh once in a very long time <laughs> right so but, you you don't do it at home ne? and then you decide that's it zambia zimbabwe malawi what what because i'm already basically takes how old were you i was 25 i was 25 when i went on the trip yeah um so what did you say to your mother <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a tough one my parents was a tough one um I actually think I, I'd hinted it like about a year before, like just hint, dropping a hint, nyana. And then I think I officially told them like a month before and I was like, Hey, um, I'm actually going to do this. Um, uh, but it was sort of more just telling them versus really asking them. And yeah, I just, I just kind of told them and they were like, okay, like, <laughs> are you sure? Ellery, <laughs> what did you expect? What do you, did you expect your trip to be like? Because one of the things, and I, I remember sitting there listening to you speaking about it and, and talking about bus stops and overnights. And, and I'm just thinking, oh. And, and what did you have? Did you have a backpack with all your stuff? Yeah. So I literally had a backpack where I had all my things in. It took me two hours to pack each time because I had like all my clothes like like rolled up. And like everything, like, you know, like really squashed up. Um, I had probably like eight items of clothing. Um, and that was kind of like the bare essentials that I needed that I could kind of use in different kinds of settings. Um, whether it was like in Zanzibar where I had to sort of have be, like be covered quite a lot. Um, whether it's my hands or whatever it is. Um, cause it's or, a Muslim country. Yeah. And and I was teaching in Zanzibar. Um, oh, and so when you what were you teaching? So I was teaching grade ones to grade sixes, and I was teaching geography, maths, English. Um, yeah, those those are the subjects I was teaching. Um, and I think the complication in that was um, some of the classes were combined. So the grade, the grade, I think it's the grade fives and the grade sixes were in one class. And so you'd have to somehow differentiate what to teach to who in the different class, uh, which was very, very, very interesting. I'm not sure how I did, how I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really break it down to you, <laughs> but Ilori. I did best. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, well, Ilori, that is a, um, traveling with a backpack and, um, Teaching in a foreign country is a very white girl, white boy experience. Yeah. How did you as Amu, where are you from? Uh, Polokwane. Well, that's where I grew up. Mm. So yeah. how did you as what? Amu? Wautua Polokwane. <laughs> and now this is, I'm getting on the bus. How did, how did that idea formulate in your mind? Weren't you scared? Um, yeah, I mean, I was scared, but I, I wasn't that scared. I think I was, you know, I think there's a certain naivety that you go into something like that with. It was something that I knew that I absolutely wanted to do. And so my desire to go and my need to feel like I needed to go surpassed like whatever kind of fear I'd feel. 
you know, I think to be honest, my greatest fear is actually getting malaria because I hadn't taken malaria tablets because they typically recommend uh, like when you're going to travel for long periods of time to not actually take malaria tablets because they make you sick. So um, I was just scared of like getting bitten by a mosquito and like you know, <laughs> <laughs> having malaria. That was my biggest fear. That's a thing. Um, getting bitten by a mosquito happens. Yeah. 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 But I think I think that I think to the kind of question that you're asking about, like, isn't this like a white girl? Yeah, it's a, you know what it is. It's a, it's a some kid in Europe goes to Africa to teach. You know what I'm saying? It's not a some kid in Bulogwane goes to Malawi to teach. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean the the, the experience that I went on. I mean, even in my travels. A lot of the people who I met who were traveling and doing stuff were all European. I didn't meet any Africans, right? So I was always the only African on, on the trip. And again, even in the teaching. Um, and for me, to be honest, that was probably one of the hardest things on the trip. Why? Um, because um, I guess this idea of like people going in and then like... Seemingly like saving the Africans and their education, you know, but it's like you're literally just dabbing in an art for us, a, 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 like, like a, a surreal s- moment in time. Yeah, you know, and I mean, when you look at the kids, I mean, for them, the experience is just great in that they get a lot of exposure to kind of other countries and how things have done in other countries, you know. So for them, it's exciting in that regard. And all of a sudden, you know, they're able to understand Europe a lot closer because someone from the UK came, whereas they wouldn't have before. But I guess there's kind of a bigger question around, you know, um, what impact does this have on, like, sustained on the teaching of the kids, you know. Um, but then again, it's is the, that a the, question the you ask yourself? Yeah, and the reason it's easy to do that is because, um, like, I mean, I mean, I was shocked in in it wasn't the school that I was teaching in, but one of the other schools, the teachers were teaching in English, but they couldn't really speak English, like they were speaking Swahili, like they just these weird dynamics that were happening. And actually, what I ended up doing was in my last week when I was meant to be teaching, I actually you know, offered to help the volunteering company I was, I was teaching with to help them figure out, like, w- where the learning actually happens in this process of having volunteers in and how to actually have greater impact with them. So I literally spent a week interviewing um, teachers, principals, and students in different schools um, to kind of understand w- what what learning actually happens and if you do have people coming in how do you make sure that they actually benefit that it benefits the students the schools uh versus kind of taking away and like leaving a dent that can't be filled um because again it's like like I said I I don't I don't have an answer I don't know what the answer is right but I kind of left and I was just like shucks this is frustrating mm-hmm. like I don't I don't know how to think about this like the the teaching is just you know, like firstly, just kind of the language thing where I was saying they're teaching kids in English, mm-hmm. even though they can't really understand English mm-hmm. and the kids speak Swahili. And then you kind of ask yourself, masses of kids are actually going to school every single day, but you're actually not sure if they're learning. And a part of me was just like, just teach these kids in Swahili. Didn't and then teach it remind them- you of home? Didn't it remind you of, of back here and, it- and our reality? I mean, how's up or Konatale or... 
Eastern Cape, there are no white people in some of those places. Yeah. And and teaching and learning is expected to happen in English. Yeah. And and even the teachers, those kids have never seen a white person except on TV. Yeah. And, and then it becomes like this, like, you, I mean, I was called a Mzungu. That also made me feel very uncomfortable. Mzungu means white person. And I was like, no, I'm like you guys. Why? Because I, cause I was volunteering um, with a lot of these white people who volunteer. And as well, I guess the way I sound, people were like, oh, my gosh, Mzungu, Mzungu. And I'm like, no, I'm not a Mzungu. I'm like you guys. <laughs> One of the things that is my own personal fear about traveling into the rest of the continent is always that. It's always when because in my mind, because we're all the same. All all the all the all the blacks we're all the same. Yeah. And and I have this real fear that unless you are protected by the 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 traveling in a group with a tourist experience. Well, if you are just bare and on your own and just dealing with the day-to-day. Yeah. I, I, I've always felt like there's a real fear for me that then I'm too, too raw and, exp- and, and open to, to, the, to the real life experience of other Africans, but also that they may reject me. Did oh, like you as have a, As a that? South African... Mm. Did you have any of that? Um, and now, but if they if they then called you Mzungu, they obviously saw you as an outsider and an other. They didn't see you as a, another African like us. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's the other interesting thing about being a South African in some of these spaces is I think a lot of times when people found out I was South African, all of a sudden, like I was like, you know, like a bit of a hero. You know, really? yeah, and people would be like, "Oh my gosh, do you know generations?" You know, and they would like talk about generations. Would drive Have you, you been crazy. to joyous celebration? <laughs> you know, and I was just like, "Yo, yo, yo, okay, cool." You know, so I think like you know, and I think as South Africans, right, we have this warped relationship with the West, right, and we're like fascinated by like things that are coming out of the US and it's like oh my gosh and you trying know? so hard so, to be part of that world exactly and I think what I experienced was as a South African in other African countries you're almost viewed as that and all of a sudden like you know um yeah like that like they look at you as like you know, someone who comes from this, like, you know, and people tell you stories about how they went to Durban. And like, I mean, it's just like, wow, you know, um, but, but I must say that I also admired that because I think as South Africans, we don't do that enough about our continent, right? We, we'd rather kind of, uh, I mean, I mean, one, one very interesting insight, right? Was, um, when I took buses from, from, when I took the bus from South Africa, into like Zimbabwe, the movies that were playing were like these Western movies, right? In Zambia, the movies that they were playing on the bus, they were playing Sarafina and they played Shaka Zulu. And I was like, wow, these guys are more progressive. They are progressive. We are going back. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think you kind of see those, those dynamics. And why do you think they're progressive and we're going back? Um, I think in just understanding who 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 they are and where we come from 
I think as South Africans, I mean, our, our, our identity was wrecked quite a bit. Um, just in our history, specifically for black people. And so we're, we're constantly in search of who we are, you know, and because our oppressor was, um, like white, uh, and like, um, so, so we draw a lot of who we feel we are from, from that and also from like the West and whatever. And so what I found in, in traveling is a lot, a lot more people who are secure in who they are as Africans, like in their identities. Um, I mean, one of the subjects I was fascinated by when I was teaching was a subject called civics. And this subject basically teaches these young kids about the African continent. You know, they knew a lot about South Africa and they can tell you about the president of Tanzania. They can tell you about the role that Tanzania played in South Africa's freedom and liberation. So they're just a lot more secure in who they are and like where they come from and they just understand it, right? Versus where I feel with us, you know, and, and, and it kind of comes out in things like the xenophobic attacks, you know, where you kind of see a gap in, in, in education and learning in, um, in our identity as Africans. Um, what is yeah. the, what was the best part of your trip? Uh, the best part of my trip, um, I mean, I spent most of my time in Zanzibar. And the reason I chose Zanzibar specifically was for three reasons. One was um, within East and South Africa, and Southern Africa, um, it, it's it's um, oh the, the 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 main religion is not Christianity. So I wanted to experience what it feels like living in a space. How long were you there? Um, three weeks. Okay. Yeah, so it was just around the religion too, being in a place where they spoke a completely different language. And again, in Zanzibar, like all you hear everywhere is Swahili. Um, and then three was around teaching, but kind of understanding the complexity of like language and, um, external people within the space of learning. And then also seeing the impact that religion has as well in the space of learning. So, so yeah, so, 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 so those are the three th- reasons that so I chose to stay the longest time in Zanzibar. And, um, and, and it was the greatest for me because I think it's where I, I got challenged a lot about just a lot of things, you know? Um, and, and, and like I, I've had to like adapt to a lot of different things, you know, whether it was like, Dressing a certain way or having to speak a certain way, you know, like even when I was teaching in English, not be, not being sure if these kids were actually understood what I was teaching them. Like I would, for example, I think the one time I was teaching them about insects and I was like, okay, let's go outside and find insects. So you know what we're talking about. Um, so some of those things, I think it, it challenged a lot of things that I, 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 yeah, or either I thought or or didn't know. Um, yeah, and then and then the other interesting thing as well about Zanzibar is it's extremely safe, and people are very very trusting. So I remember the one time going from Tanzania to Zanzibar on a ferry, and this lady asked me to take care of t- these two kids <laughs> on the ferry, and I was like, 
like me, like mm. like right now, like it's happening. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know. Oh, where, could, where was she going? Like she was in Tanzania at the at um, the like the mainland, so at the ferry place, oh, ferry station. So she wasn't coming on the no, ferry. No, she wasn't like she was going the to ferry. the toilet. No, no, no. So, yeah. so you were just gonna look after these kids, yeah, until Lifita. Yeah, and then okay. I was meant to hand I them over to happen. this other lady and stuff. So so things like that are very normal, like very very <laughs> normal. Whereas I feel like sometimes here, yeah, like you'd have to you'd think a couple of times, like what's gonna happen to my kids? You mm. know, like are are they actually gonna arrive? You know, and yeah, so so just a lot of things like that. Like even when you're in, um, yeah, like they they just like trust you with stuff. And you're like I don't like I don't know if I'm the right person to be like trusted with this, but you kind of go with it, and it challenges you, right? It challenges your your fundamental like sort of beliefs and views about you know, uh, like our some of our like almost like natural human virtues that like. Like what? Like, okay, the one for me is around like trusting, mm-hmm. like the power of actually trusting. And like, what if we lived in a world where we actually just all trusted each other? And what would that like? But you must, you must have a deep degree of trust because you got on a bus and went <laughs> to a place you don't know. You, you don't, and everywhere you traveled, people don't speak English. And, and that's, they don't speak English and they don't speak Sipedi. <laughs> yeah, like we were using sign language. <laughs> you know, and, and you have to be very intuitive. Like, you know, like try, like you have to use a lot of like discernment and like intuition and like um, judgment. So, so I definitely came back like a lot sharper in terms of like just understanding the unspoken, you know. And what's the, what has that done for your day to day? Yeah, back home now. Yeah, I think it's um, it's challenged me to 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 learn to dare to sort of trust people, but also understand where people come from. Like, not just jump into what I see at face value, you know. Um, and like it's it's definitely given me a lot more like like yeah yeah like insight and like ability to just tune into people like a lot a lot more you know like a lot of people who know me tend to say oh I'm more like oh you like you're just too trusting you're too you know what I mean but but it's not even that it's just like what if like you just allow someone. I mean, one thing that I do, and I probably shouldn't be sharing this. It's it's probably quite dangerous. But sometimes, like when I'm on the streets driving, right, I'll have my window open and I'll be on my phone, right. And typically, when I'm with my friends in the car, because they don't actually know this is what I'm doing. They'll be like, "Oh, oh my gosh, I mean, you must close your window. You must hide your phone. Blah blah blah, because someone is gonna go grab it." But I'll be like at the robots, and like let's say people who are selling stuff or whatever, I'd just like talk to them, and I'd have like my phone there, and nothing has ever happened, right? But for me, it's it's partly like, what if you just looked at another person as like as they as are, a person. as a person, and like, why why do we always have to like think like someone's gonna take something from you? And it's just never happened. Like I always have my phone there. I mean, look, one day it might happen, and people will be like, "Oh my gosh, I told you so." But even if I will still keep doing it, but I just find it just it it just it like completely like changes your perspective of, of, of things, and even just how you 
view a person, you know, because at the end of the day, a person is a person is a person. Um, so, so those kind of weird things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those kind of weird things. Look, I, we have this thing here on Woman Lives. Once in a while, we have a conversation with a woman that is, that I think is phenomenal, that I think is just an ordinary South African living in an, or, in an ordinary South Africa, but doing it extraordinarily. And that's why I asked you to come on the show today. But having this conversation, I think the one thing that I'm definitely learning, um, is I maybe should have had you come in in Heritage Month because you're, you're talking a lot about the, the, the love of, of who you are and the root of who we are in our identity. And, and maybe it's a perfect place to be the last Thursday of the month. I'm talking mm. to Amungwepe. We're talking about traveling, finding yourself, solo travel on public transport in the continent. And we're just shooting the breeze. Choice. Sometimes you have it, and sometimes you don't. AutoTrader gives you the choice. Now you can shop, compare, and buy new cars. Watch our expert video reviews and research before you buy. AutoTrader New Car. The choice is yours. We are totally, totally keeping it real. We're having a conversation with a real woman, real girl, having an unreal conversation, <laughs> unscripted. It's live. It's on Cliff Central. I'm Pumi Mashekho, and I'm talking to Amungwepe, who wasn't gone till November, but was gone for 64 days, got on a bus, and went all the way to Zanzibar for learning 25 years old right 25 years old grew up in Polokwane so i, I love <laughs> yeah. the fact that she's like uh come on, what do, what do, why do you have such an inquisitive mind the girl studied quantity surveying she was going to be on <laughs> construction science like what so how and and i love the story about so you were on a construction site and then you got yeah. invited to an event to this company called McKinsey and yes. found yourself what um, yeah, so like, yeah, so background, quantity surveying, spent some time on construction sites, got invited to this event at a company called McKinsey. And I think, uh, two things that resonated with me ha- after meeting them was one, um, the values of the organization and two, finding a woman, meeting a woman who in my mind was successful, but was interested in lots of different things, which I'd never seen before because, because a lot of the images you have of successful women are like, I don't know. It's like this, like great editor or like this, like, I don't know, advertising, whatever, or this businesswoman, you know, like just successful women are stereotyped. Yes, exactly. And all of a sudden, this woman was interested in lots of different things. She'd worked at UNICEF, but she was doing work in energy. And I was just like, oh, my word, this is amazing. Um, and I think um, that kind of – I think the thing that happened in that moment as well was just like me feeling like I got freed to almost just be and allow my my curious mind to just like go and explore and not be caught up in what it means to be like a successful woman or what it means to even just be like a woman. And so I think um, having spent a couple of years um, at McKinsey and Consulting, um, I got exposure to lots of different industries, um, which again perpetuated my interest from like mining to oil and gas to transport to youth unemployment to health. I mean, what, whatever you're thinking, that. <laughs> <laughs> you're interested in it. Which was, which was that for you? So your mother's a professor, your dad's an entrepreneur. 
Um, so this this is a this is a highly <laughs> highly efficient, I would hope, household, but also one that one that's got polar opposites. And when I asked you what you are doing now, because first when I tried to track you down, I must tell you. So I phoned um. I phoned Tati and I said, Tati, you remember that girl that was tripping around? What was? She said, yeah, Amu. I'm like, yeah, and typical woman. Tati, Tati does this to me. I love you, Tati. I know, yeah, I know you're listening. I love you, Tati. He says, I've lost her number, but this is her email address. Right? And he says, yeah, she worked at McKinsey. So I'm like tracking you down through via the McKinsey. But I know she's not here anymore. So I ask you what you do. And you say you are. I said I'm a social entrepreneur, but I also didn't know what to tell you I do. <laughs> social entrepreneur, right? With our very own Cliff Central, Rory is business partner. Yeah? yeah oh, you're I, working with him. Yeah. So, okay, guy, one other confused face. <laughs> so you must tell me, what did your trip, and I know that the seed was planted there when you were having the trip and, and being everywhere that you wanted to change people's lives mm. what did that change in you that made you come back and say i'm interested in a whole lot of different things but the one i'm going to pick to be my thing going forward is being an entrepreneur that changes people's lives mm. Mm, yeah so i mean i think before i went on the trip a piece of work that probably had the most impact on my life was we, we well that sounds like very hectic um this, this report that I'd worked on and basically in this report we were looking at the employment and unemployment state of the continent and so there I got to kind of see on paper and in numbers uh what that looks like and and I mean at a high level like 30%, about 30% of the continent is in stable employment, about 60% is in vulnerable employment, and another 10% officially unemployed. And basically, this vulnerable employment means people are just working to put bread on the table, essentially, right? And um, it could end at any time. Yeah. And so th that for me was just like, whoa, mind-blowing. And I think that's where uh, the, the kind of interest like sparked. And I was like, okay, I actually want to see what these numbers mean. And so I think for me going on the trip, um, which is why it was sort of open-ended, right? Because um, initially I was like, oh, maybe I should go and like find rocks. You know, people always go and like have <laughs> meaningful things that they go travel for. So I was like, I should do something like that. Uh, but then my real curiosity was to honestly just see. So I was like, actually, I'm just going to go and see and see what happens. And so I just wanted to see what the continent looks like. Um, and so I think what's then happened post that is I just got in a, a much clearer view about uh, what it is that I want to do and what it is I'm interested in. And broadly, it's around poverty eradication on the African continent and making sh and developing economically viable and sustainable solutions that get the people in the poverty state out of poverty for good. Um, and currently the African poverty stats are like, um, just under 50% of Africans live under like a dollar a day, right? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a massive, um, thing. But I think a lot of the solutions we've seen in that space, um, and as of today, that's around 14 rand a day. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh darn. Yes. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That rate. Um, yeah. And so I, yeah. So I just kind of wanted to just, um, see. I love the story of 
getting to the bus stop <laughs> and the last bus is gone. <laughs> yeah. please, please tell, tell that story again. Because I, I tried to tell it to somebody and I couldn't remember it. So that's why I'm asking to tell, tell, tell me that story again. Okay, so basically in summary, <laughs> um, I booked a bus from Zambia to Tanzania and we were told that the bus would be a two-day bus drive leaving on a Tuesday afternoon and arriving on a Thursday afternoon. Um, Is it those buses? Is it those <laughs> buses that you see like on out in Africa where it's a big <laughs> dusty bus and it's on a, on, a, on a like a gravel road and there's lots of stuff on the top of the bus, including a goat. Is yeah, it one of yeah, those so, buses? Sort of, sort of. Not, not that extreme. There were no goats um, <laughs> and Thank things goodness. on top. But the interesting <laughs> thing though with the bus I was in, I was traveling with these guys from a church, the Shemba ch- Church in Zimbabwe. And so they were all like in like their white robes and they had like buckets and buckets and buckets of like stuff. Like food and like all these things. And um, were they from, so they were going from Zimbabwe to Zambia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. To, Tanz- to Tanzania. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. So basically get onto this bus. Uh, one of the most intense bus rides of my life because the bus driver was like driving fast. There was this lady on the bus who was like, um, <clears throat> You're feeling sick because the bus is going so fast. And I mean, it was just crazy, you know. Proper feeling sick, <laughs> like, and there's no bath bag, nothing. Yeah, I know. And the bus, the, the, but the driver's just going and, and the roads are like tiny and she's, and he's like overtaking other buses. And I mean, it's just crazy. And the um, other people are, this is, this is how we roll. Yeah. And they, I mean, the only thing that gave me comfort was like these men and whites. I was like, okay, they're praying for us. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna be safe. <laughs> you know, they can't destroy the men of God. <laughs> Um, but, um, hey, we got God on our side. Exactly. And so eventually we, we, we arrive in Tanzania and then it's like midnight. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like we're still going to go through. Cause earlier on, I just asked them to double check if we're still arriving the next day. They were like, yes, still on track. Before I know it, like everyone's out of the bus. Uh, and then it's just me. And I'm like, okay, this is very strange. So then I asked the bus driver, I'm like, okay, like what's going on? Again, like sort of like hand le- hand signals because like you can't really hear English and you only speak Swahili. And then eventually he told me that no, the bus actually ends here. And I was like, oh my word, like I don't have a place to stay. And in that moment, I just kind of asked him if I could like sleep in his bus because I don't know where to go. And then again, kind of another long like hand conversation happening. And eventually he walks me out of the bus and then he, <laughs> no, you can't stay he, in the bus. And then he takes me to like the bus station. Um, and he's like, no, I can stay there for the night because the bus is leaving and I can't stay in the bus. <laughs> so he introduced me to the people who were looking after the bus station. Um, and then they gave me like three chairs to <laughs> sleep on. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then the bus left. You know, that they- shit only happens <laughs> in the movies. I've seen that exact scene in the movies somewhere. Did you have that moment or were you just scared and? Yeah, I don't know. Like I wasn't. I wasn't very scared. I don't know how to explain the state of mind I was in. Um, but I was just like, okay, I guess like we're going to make a plan. And, and I kind of trusted the people in a very weird way. But I think it was also like, okay, I'm going to trust these people, you know, that they actually have my back. And it was interesting because it was men, um, you know, but yeah, they were very kind to me. I mean, they gave me these three chairs, um, woke up the next morning. They offered me like breakfast, 
They have like this coffee and like these breakfast brittles that they eat in the morning. And then they took me on a walk to see Tanzania. I mean, it was absolutely pleasant. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I wasn't, I don't, I can't explain it, but I wasn't like very scared. It was just like, okay, this is like what's happening. I'm going to trust these people. Because even when I slept, and I think that's when I, I tested how I was feeling, was I actually had a really peaceful rest. Like I wasn't anxious, you know? So you were like <laughs> proper straight up, I'm falling asleep on this. Yeah, I fell asleep <laughs> like a baby. Like I, I took out my sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just took like my little bag that had like my essential things. And I put it with me inside the sleeping bag and then just kind of left my big bag out there. Um, and I just slept, eh? I slept and like I was woken up by the sun in the morning, you know? <laughs> wow. Wow. And, um, and when you were out there, you know, I've traveled on my own and I know how sometimes it can be scary and frustrating and exciting all at the same time in fact I, I remember feeling like i'm sure this is what babies feel like when when they're just crying for nothing <laughs> when there's no <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because i felt i i remember that feeling that moment of this is insane and if i cry i may feel better did you ever <laughs> did you ever have moments like that did you did you have moments of where where everything was so real and raw and around you and happening to you that the only thing you could do is just like burst. Yeah, I think I probably had like two big moments like that. But the one happened very early on. I think it was like on day two. And I remember just asking myself like what like what am I doing with my life? Like what am I doing? Like mm. I was just like, I'm all like what is going on? Like are what you happened? okay, child? What happened? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, but I think, uh, what happened then was, um, I, it was again kind of this deep fear of getting malaria. And then also, um, I'd bought a SIM card earlier on in the day and it wasn't working. And these other ladies were very, very kind to me and gave me their SIM card to use. And I think it was kind of in the emotion of like, like, like having to, like almost like trust other people because some of my own personal things weren't quite working out. And then, and then also like there's no one else around here and then kind of going down into a spiral, like, Oh my gosh, like, like what am I doing with my life? You know? And I was like, maybe I should just go back. Like, <laughs> like honestly, I was and why like, didn't oh you gosh. go back? Why didn't you go back? Um, I think because there was kind of a deeper like knowing and purpose around what I was doing that compelled me to go in the first place that even if I couldn't quite explain why and like, you know, but, but there was something deeper that was just like, no, just, just go like, this is, this, this is the thing. So I think it was kind of that thing that I c couldn't quite explain that, that kept me going and, and, and knowing that, okay, you know what? I actually, be fine and then also just saying to myself worst case i'll just be extremely cautious you know given my clearly innate <laughs> desire to also just like <laughs> what was your, explore things <laughs> what was your best moment in your trip um my best the moment that went 
Yeah, you know, I wouldn't trade this for the world. Um, I mean, one of the most amazing experiences I had was actually in Uganda because I was, I was, I got sick a bit when I was in Uganda and I happened to be sharing a room with these Pakistanian men who were, <laughs> who were working in the Congo. Um, and they happened to be doctors. <laughs> and so, I was sharing this cabin with them and I was the only woman again and they heard me like coughing I think over two nights and they were like hey look we're actually doctors and like how can we help you or whatever and I basically had medication that I traveled with from my doctor and then I'd also bought medication and so they kind of looked at what I had and they were like okay take this don't take that blah 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 you know and they kind of like took care of me for like the two days I was with them and then eventually when they left, I didn't, even, I didn't get to say bye to them. Um, but the one guy, he like left me a rose on my pillow. And I was just like, oh my word. And like, I just felt like, like overwhel- overwhelmingly like loved, you know? And I was like, wow, this is like, this is just like beautiful. And I think even in that moment, like, Almost needing that love, but not really knowing it, you know. And I just kind of like, just like treasured the moment and treasured the rose. And um, yeah, so I think that experience was just really beautiful. Like just being cared for by complete like male strangers who were genuinely like, like taking care of me, not trying to do stuff, you know. Um, yeah, that was that was one of my like favorite like moments wow um yeah and then then another and then another another one as well which also i think happened in uganda but anyway so when i went on the trip i'd i'd saved up like my own money and you know um and so my parents did something that also just completely threw me off you know um when i was on the trip they sent me like like a whole lot of money (laughs) i was like whoa and i remember like the first thing i wanted to do was to call them and just be like ah thanks but please take it back you know uh but i think the harder thing was like receiving their love you know and like receiving their support like actually we know what you're doing is crazy and bizarre but we actually support you and we want you to be successful and we want to make this easy on you you know why was that hard um, I guess because it felt like this, this going on this trip was like, like almost a battle, if you know what I mean. Because like, people didn't get it, but I was like, I, I need to do this. But now all of a sudden to have them come around and actually say, you know what? We actually support you. But I think the greater thing was like, um, their like affirmation of, of love and support. And I think receiving that was hard because I, I, I didn't think they supported me to that degree. But I think that moment revealed, like, their genuine, like, care and support. Um, and, and I was kind of still in the space of, oh, like, no one understands. And I'm just doing this on my own. And, like, you know. <laughs> Were you being a brat, Amo? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Were you being a brat? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Gosh. And then when you came home. Because, you know, like I think about, I'm one of those people that loves hearing stories and telling stories. And I think I get it from home because when you've been away, especially when you've been away far, 
Then everybody comes over. No one? Then Sunday the lunch. Stories. And then they want to hear the story. The story of, <laughs> and then Kanamela Pace. <laughs> when I, after packing for two hours and, you know. Yeah. So, so when you came home and went back home to your parents. Yeah. For the first time. After having gone through the hard experience of truly receiving their love. Yeah. Like you're saying. What was the first thing you told them? Um, <laughs> I I can't quite remember, but I think because um, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean they they came to fetch me at the at the station where I was getting off, so it was just a very 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 deep moment, right? So um, hold up, you went public transport and yeah. then you arrived at your final destination and and did your teaching and stuff and you came back a public transport you didn't know it like you weren't like i'm flying back home now no no no. i came back the public <laughs> transport all the way <laughs> all the way all the way all the way but i think the funny story that happened and i mean i, I can't remember like what i told them but i, but I mean the, the the story was definitely when i got into south africa i actually nearly got arrested <laughs> Because apparently I looked like this girl who had been smuggling drugs and the police had been warned that she'd be coming on one of the buses from Zimbabwe. And she looked quite young and she'd been to like Asia and whatever at some point. So then when when they took my my passport. Stimpin, um, stimpin, stimpin. Yeah. And the thing is I'd been to the US and I'd been to India before, right? And then I had all these stamps and they were like, uh-uh, We're not. child, mm-mm, 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 something's up here, you know, and they searched my bags and I mean, they made the bus stop for like a good 30 minutes and everyone was like, yo, this girl is costing us like proper. <laughs> <laughs> and I was yes, like the youngest looking, exactly, I was the youngest <laughs> looking, I looked the most innocent and they were just like, yo, we know your dad. Yeah. And even the bus driver was also like, Please just like give them Take the her. stuff, you know, <laughs> so we can go because like you're currently like slowing down our process, you know. Um, so that was quite like amazing, kind of like welcome back to South Africa. <laughs> um, yeah, after having all these experiences of trusting and trustworthy, yeah. just like you yeah. get home and you're treated. Yeah, but I must say the amazing thing though from that moment was then seeing our cops kind of doing their their job. their job, right? Because when the guy actually searched me, the thing he said was, mm. "Like we can't just like you know he uses like intuition. He's like, no, it's like we have to search her. We can't just let her go, mm. you know." And I was just like, "Wow, that's quite impressive." Like I mean, even though like the process wasn't that great, but I was quite impressed that mm. our cops are actually doing that, and you know they really thought they had something. Um, <laughs> How disappointing! And your parents? Um, I mean, I think when I got back, I mean, they were very, very happy to have me back. Like, extremely happy. <laughs> Bring back our girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they um, brought back our girl. <laughs> yeah, because I think they, I mean they supported me, but I think they were also like, "Yo, is she gonna come back? You know, is she gonna come back? You know?" Um, and and I did, and I think they were just really happy to have me back. Um, 
And I think they had they had like a small bribe for me when I got back. They were like, no, we need to celebrate this, you know, and kind of came back and also just shared the stories with them. And, you know. And, and the and stories nothing- you didn't tell them. <laughs> um, Maybe like one or two. And which one? Which one? I'm not going to tell you either. <laughs> Throwing my hands up in the air. Throwing my hands up in the air. What? But there are lots of stories um, that, that I've told. Tell. That I've told. Oh. That I've told. Um, yeah, I mean, one one scary, one creepy story was um, in, in Zimbabwe. I met this guy who helps people cross the border illegally. <laughs> I mean... It was just, I don't even know, like, I didn't even realize, like, that's what was happening in the conversation <laughs> I was having with this guy. <laughs> Only afterwards, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he'd been in the job for seven years. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know if I want to know this. <laughs> and then, um, so are you, are you a traveler? Are you a, a wandering soul? Or was that just the ones off? I think I'm a traveler, but I think my broader interest is around like, uh, like understanding like people and, and culture. And I'm, I, I, I'm always intrigued and I love the process of being, um, challenged by my, my own beliefs and kind of searching for like, you know, truth. So I do enjoy immersing myself in completely different, um, cultures to what I believe that then, Kind of opens up my mind and, and stretches my mind to um, to to what what exists out there, and just the core of it, just kind of understanding like the human the human soul, the human being. So, where are you traveling to next? Um, next, I'm probably going to be going to Zambia soon. Um, Back. Uh, yeah, yeah. For a longer period of time this time around, and then and then I'm planning on actually going back to Zanzibar to meet up with some of the people that I met there and like speak to like young young children, young young people there and stuff. Because I met quite a few people there, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, you need to come speak to our girls. You know, our girls need to hear the story." Um, and so I'd love, 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 love to do that because because I I do love the girl child, and I think she's amazing. <laughs> And she Abu, needs to do what she wants. <laughs> Abu, you are amazing. You are amazing. And thank you for coming and sharing your story. I agree. More people need to hear the story. I think you, you are amazing. You, you, you're living. You're living the dream. And good oh. luck. Yeah, thank good you luck. so much. Thank good luck so with much. your business. And it was so great speaking to you good on luck the show. With I think business. you're so freaking awesome. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm ending it. I'm Pumi Mashiko. You've been listening to Womanla and I'm talking with Amung Wepa. We have been talking about traveling. We're talking about being fabulous and being awesome. And really, the fabulousness that is life. In this, the last installment of our Women's Month. One more exciting, fabulous woman to meet. And we will see you again next week. I'm Pumi Mashiko. See you next time. Womanla on cliffcentral.com.